It's a bitch hunt. 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 What's new? What's out there? Well, there's a uh, there's a trailer out for the Avengers four. Oh yeah, I watched that actually. What'd you think? <clears throat> I really enjoyed the trailer. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, everybody in America has seen Avengers <laughs> two and three, so got to be one of the most well, anticipated. Well, let movies. me just stop you there, Jacob. What? What? I've only seen. <laughs> I've only seen Avengers one. I've only seen the first Avengers. Dude, this is I've what, not seen Avengers one or two or what, three. This is. This but is, I've seen one. This is what happens when you move to Wisconsin. You start drinking Miller Lite. <laughs> it's like you're in yes. a third world country somewhere. You probably you probably don't have a theater within a hundred miles that showed that movie, did you? Well, Avengers two we didn't have Ant Boy, and Ant Boy is the best Avenger. So, if you're That's gonna skip an Avenger, it's the one without I've Ant seen, Boy. I've seen Ant Boy the uh, the origin story. I've seen the rise of Ant Boy, but I haven't seen Ant Boy two. I'm just I'm so disappointed in you, Will. I. I almost can't believe it. I was going to talk about the Avengers 4 trailer, but now I feel like we can't because somebody uh, isn't up to date on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, I mean, thematically anyway, it's kind of not appropriate for this episode to talk about a sequel. That's true. Oh, yeah. Yes. That'd be really off base. Because we're doing sequels this week. Oh, that's right. Sequels to an action movie that doesn't have a sequel, specifically. Yes. And really, I mean, the way I played it, at least, sequels to an action movie that will never have a sequel. I mean, I don't think... Until we make it, of course. I don't think you can ever be too sure about that. Yeah, I wouldn't speak in absolutes. Something something about the Sith. Something, something. (laughs) sequels that will probably get a remake before they get a sequel that's fair oh uh, do, so also, did either of your films have a reboot or remake at any time not that i'm aware of well, no I, mine, mine either i am positive that mine didn't okay um and there's well, a pretty good reason for that well why don't but, you dive into that reason can we you want to start all right i'll dive right into it um so as i had explained beforehand Uh, The movie that I had originally chosen for this week's topic um, was the phenomenal elephant uh, martial arts masterpiece, The Protector, which about an hour ago I googled and (laughs) discovered that there already was a sequel for. Which I've seen. It's it's not bad. Which Luke has seen, and it's not bad. Um, So I had to switch gears a little bit. um, And decided to change to a classic movie um classic in every sense of the word the 2011 film cowboys and aliens 
Oh, oh damn, we all saw that together. Yes, we in did. In Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> At the beautiful, I can't remember the name of the Cineplex. So I, it was I don't just an like, AMC. I don't want to like ruin your momentum here, but I feel like this this movie stands out to me as the movie that I had the highest expectations for <laughs> going into the theater. Such unbelievably high, and the premise of it was brilliant. I had unbelievably high expectations for this movie going in. Well, and let me tell you about this movie. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> It it did not meet those expectations. <laughs> okay, I thought you were yeah, get I, a little more. I was also that, really dis. I I was disappointed. I had the feeling that you were disappointed as well, Jacob. Oh, Am I was I wrong about that? disappointed. And that's, that's saying something because you are scarcely ever disappointed in movies. <laughs> no, that you see. I. Uh, so is that I'm why this doesn't have the sequel? The obvious reason that you're talking about just because it was kind of a shit movie. Yes. Yes. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, I'm not going to try to defend the original movie here. Um, it was terrible, but one of the reasons that I did choose this is because, for much the same reasons that you guys have talked about, it was a movie that had a phenomenal premise that we all had high hopes for and all were disappointed in. So, I think what all of us deserve is uh, as a film that does justice to that premise. Um, and I think in the sequel, we can do just that. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I mean, if the people who made The Fast and the Furious were like, oh, this first movie really kind of sucks. Let's never make another one. Right. I mean, what kind of a world would we live in right now? Not a world I don't that know. I, I mean, live in. a movie about a gang of thieves that steals DVDs is pretty exciting. Like, that's a good starting point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look how far it's brought us. Um, so, yeah, if you start with that premise, and by the seventh movie, you have now or that by the eighth movie rather you have what we got in fast fast uh fast eight furious eight fate, of the, furious. fate of the furious that's that's what it was called fate f8 just fate. think you know starting with the premise of cowboys and aliens how good the eighth movie in that series would be so jacob you need not actually give us seven sequels you need only give us one for this well, episode Okay, well, that'll whittle <laughs> this down by about an hour and a half. Uh, so, so lay it on us. I'll just I'll lay it on you. Okay, so as we obviously all know, uh, the original film was set in 1873 in the town of Absolution, New Mexico. Everybody knows that. Um, as I'm sure you all remember very vividly, at the end of the, the first movie, uh, Jake, who is played by Daniel Craig, uh, Ella, who is played by Olivia Wilde, Ugh. And, yeah, right. Uh, and Jake's posse of uh, outlaws uh, ended up destroying the alien ship that had come to Earth to study humans, uh, potentially destroy humanity, and just kind of generally, generally shake things up. So, to be honest, I didn't remember what? any of that. That's that's exactly why I told you. Wasn't there a uh, twist where Olivia Wilde turned out to be either a robot or an alien? One of the two. I'm pretty sure she turned out to be an alien, um, which is something... I just I'm, remember she was, like, criminally underused. Cause she's a really good actor. Yes, she is. Well, fear not, because she's going to be uh, very heavily used in the sequel. Um, I'm going to be upfront about the fact that I had forgotten that she turned out to be an alien. Hopefully that <laughs> won't affect uh, the, uh, uh, the plot of this uh, sequel. 
but we'll we'll just we'll just go ahead with it anyway as planned. Okay, let's go for it. Okay, so the sequel um we're we're opening 10 years later. So, uh still in Absolution, New Mexico. The year is 1883. Um uh by now, uh Ella is both an alien and the mayor of uh Absolution, New Mexico. Um Nice. The uh, the ship that was destroyed at the end of the first movie uh, is going to be a big plot point in the sequel. So the uh, obviously the ship has been destroyed, so it's not like they're going to be tooling around in that ship or anything. But uh, they've used they've kind of scavenged over the ten years the wreckage from the spacecraft, um, and Absolution has kind of slowly turned into this uh, kind of steampunk futuristic uh, city. Um, where they have again used the used the tech that was on the spaceship and kind of upgraded stuff, like they got electricity now. Like uh, this is this is a sort of advanced city, uh, but we're so still. Is this is this both a sequel to Cowboys versus Aliens and a prequel to the wonderful Will Smith film Wild Wild West? You stole my thunder, Luke. <laughs> you you really you really just you really just snatched that away from me. Um, but anyway, yes, uh, it is both of those things sort of, um, so yes, the, the aesthetic is not going to be too different from wild, wild west. Uh, I think we can again, all agree that wild, wild west was a movie with a lot of unrealized potential. Yeah. Again, this is, this is something that we are going to fix in this, uh, in Cowboys and Aliens too. So anyway, um, as I was saying, steampunk buildings, uh, technology have turned Absolution into this kind of bustling metropolis. Like it was an old West saloony type town. First movie, it's built up a little bit now. Uh, it's got, you know, like I said, it's got electricity, which they have kind of reverse engineered from the alien technology. Got some like janky, horseless carriages <laughs> driving around with with alien tech, um, and there's this kind of wide ranging like mine or just kind of area scavenging area where the alien ship was, was exploded in the first movie. And so even now, 10 years later, people are still like finding technology and, and new alien artifacts and digging and finding stuff. Um, so Ella is going to be the main character in this movie. Um, mayor Ella, uh, I guess I should have mentioned earlier that at the end of the original or Cowboys and Aliens one, as it will be known henceforth, uh, Daniel Craig's character, Jake just kind of like takes off because you know, he's still an outlaw and like they basically decide to look the other way and just let him go. Wasn't Harrison Ford also in this movie? He is. Um, yes. I, that is something that I also may have forgotten. Um, so he will be uh, sadly underutilized in this movie. Uh, actually, no, you know what? I'll, I'll just I'll shoehorn him in. Thank you for that reminder. Uh, so Harrison Ford's character um, has transformed from whatever he was in the first movie. Um, I, I think. Like a cow. He's an alien now. <laughs> he was a cattle rustler. <laughs> no, he's, he's not an alien. He was a cattle rustler. We're, we're going to say he was a cattle rustler. Uh, he is a forward-thinking guy, though, and so basically he's turned into kind of a, a wacky mad scientist type. Um, and he he is as as alongside Ella has 
kind of spearheaded this uh this uh this you know tech boom basically that is has come about because of the alien technology so anyway uh scientists engineers from across the country have been coming to absolution um and have seen the technology and have started reverse engineering it so uh surrounding areas are also kind of becoming dependent on this alien technology and becoming more advanced um so yeah it's it's spread against the wild west you know i can see a, a number of shots of of these wild westy towns all over the place that all have their unique flavor of of new technology um but it's still the wild west right so are there is there still sort of a feeling of of lawlessness yes and, you know there's there's bandits who are using these technologies to rob banks and and whatnot absolutely absolutely and that's the beauty of uh the core idea behind cowboys and aliens which is that that wacky juxtaposition of old timiness and futurism so all this is going on people are just having a grand old time with this new technology and then one day out of the blue all the technology just kind of like it all shuts off and uh nobody knows why nobody knows how there's no explanation for it it just kind of happens um and this sends people into a you know, into a, into panic mode because they've, they've now become so accustomed to having this technology. And so, uh, kind of, uh, dependent on it that they, they don't know how to go on. You know, they, they don't want to go back to the old, old timey ways. Um, so, uh, Ella and, uh, Harrison Ford's character, (laughs) Who is the mad scientist nice. that I definitely plan to be the mad scientist the whole way through? Um, <laughs> they decide that they're they're going to fix this, so they go about trying to you know do it themselves. They can't figure it out. They have some kind of you know they have a sort of an understanding of how the technology works, but really, you know they've 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 been relying a lot on just the technology's inherent alienness and ability to work by itself without too much tinkering. Cause these are old timey folks and they don't know how technology works. Yeah. So, um, if there is one thing that you remember about the original Cowboys and aliens, um, like one weird thing that stands out is either of you can either of you hazard a guess at what I might be getting at that olivia wilde's actually an alien no (laughs) no Uh, there was a weird flashback scene i remember that was like sepia colored and that's that's all i remember about the whole movie clearly clearly very memorable (laughs) for both of you um so there's a there's a point in the first movie and this is one of the few things that i remembered about it before revisiting it where they're kind of just like roaming around the desert and they kind of stumble upon this old like steamship that's just like marooned in the middle of the desert and there's like a human steamship. Yes, like a big steamboat with a big old paddle. <laughs> not, one of the, not one of those alien <laughs> steam steamships. No, not an alien steamship. A a human like giant paddle boat like you would see chugging along down the Mississippi River in Mark Twain times. 
You, you don't remember this? No. Okay, I guess it wasn't as memorable as I thought it was going to be. I, I was kind <laughs> Are of, you sure <laughs> this is the same movie? I am 100% sure because it was mentioned in the synopsis. Oh, okay. So, disappointing. I'm disappointed in both of you for not remembering that, but I'll move on anyway. So, this, this steamship was, was pretty bewildering in the first movie, but we're going to turn it into a, a major plot point in the second movie. <laughs> so, after uh, Olivia Wilde's character, Ella, and Harrison Ford's character, um, who we're just going to call, we're going to call him Doc. Um, <laughs> they, they, you know, they put their heads together for a while and they decide that there's just, there's no way that they're going to get this stuff up and running by themselves. But earlier in the movie, I should have mentioned Doc has found a map among the wreckage. So, you know, he's, he's digging around doing his thing. They find this map and they realize that it's a, this a map is kind of a, like directions to the planet where these aliens came from. So uh... although the, uh, and although the ship, the alien ship was destroyed, uh, in at the end of the first movie and really, you know, blown to smithereens. There were, I am going to say, some fuel cells that survived the explosion. <laughs> How convenient. Very convenient for our purposes. So, <clears throat> a plan is made. And that plan is, they're going to take that steamship in the middle of the desert. And they're going to turn it into a good old-fashioned spaceship. And they're going to go to this planet. So... There is a montage, uh, a lot of questionable construction is done. Engineers are called in and this steamship is turned into just the quaintest spaceship that you've ever seen in your life. Mm. Um, (laughs) Are there a bunch of sort of, uh, early Wright brothers esque scenes where they're kind of flying it a little bit and then they crash? (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like there's probably a solid 10 to 20 minutes of that. So we really got to fill out the runtime of this thing. And this is back before they knew how flight works too. So like maybe they went with like flappy wings for some of them. And definitely, definitely. And, and also keep in the back of your mind that they only have so much fuel. And, uh, this, this, uh, this spaceship has got to get them to, you know, Rigel 27 or wherever they're, they're going to end up going. So that's uh, that's in the back of everyone's mind. We see them getting frustrated. These these test flights are not going well, but eventually they do get it off the ground, and off they go into space. Um, this is where my story uh, loses no pun intended steam because <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. I mean, obviously we're gonna have some space travel obviously we're going to have some space battles um yeah that's that's what i was going to say is missing so far as the action element you know what and if i recall that was kind of what was disappointing about the first <laughs> cowboys versus aliens too so you're staying true to form <laughs> exactly i mean that i can't completely you know i can't completely change the the formula that worked so poorly in the first movie <laughs> The, of I've a got sci- a tagline for a you. A sci-fi action movie with neither sci-fi nor action. Give me the tagline. Let, let me hit you with this. Yeah. Cowboys and Aliens 2, 
this time the cowboys are the aliens <laughs> yeah i love it i absolutely love that too uh, so what if this this is all happening jacob yes but it's all told from the perspective of the aliens and then it's them getting invaded by these humans as they come in on the steamship i like that <laughs> i like that a lot it kind of <laughs> it kind of like it ruins everything that i've said so far but I think that I think, you probably have a better idea. You have a better better movie there than I than I did. I think what your movie idea is suffering from is like in order for them to need to go visit the aliens and defeat the aliens, right. they need a pretty good spaceship. But the only reason why they're trying to go visit the aliens in the first place is because they're bad at technology. So you have this kind of weird dynamic where they need to be good enough to prevail to to not just prevail over alien space invaders, but like colonize that which once was trying to colonize them. Well, well, what about this then? Yes, so they don't okay. they don't have to compete technologically. No, and it no. becomes more of like a invade the planet cloak and dagger style type See, like action thriller that's kind more of, of like a heist that's kind of what i was thinking like i never i never really was thinking that there was going to be this all-out war between a you know 1870s earlier than 1870s era wooden ship and these alien <laughs> spaceships that were you know they were they were pretty formidable in the first movie so you know as far you know unrealistic is not a not a thing that cowboys and aliens is afraid to do but i mean the suspension of disbelief for that would be i think a little bit too much so i was thinking that it would be more like a you know they have to go infiltrate you know this planet find their scientists and find some way for them to either figure out why the technology stopped working or at the very least, you know, just, just kind of jumpstart it so that it gets going again. Because one of the themes that I was thinking of is this whole idea that, you know, technology had, had kind of advanced faster than these people could. And they became, they became dependent on it before they really understood what it, what it can do and what it would do, which I think is kind of a universal theme. It's a, yeah, it's a topical right. one. I also like, I think the whole wooden ship being turned into a spaceship thing. Yes. It's like stylistically, I think matches trends. Cause I feel like space operas these days have, have s like slowly stopped giving a shit about how space works. Like, yes. Like I've noticed in both the new guardians in the galaxy movies, as well as the new star Wars movies that they're just increasingly, throwing people like naked out into space and like they're fine and 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 it like like it pisses a lot of people off but i actually kind of like it because like why not like if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna be like dancing among the stars you might as well just like be dancing do it without any naked. protection right <laughs> no i i agree completely and i i also like the idea of like a kind of a a, a nod to uh, a criminally underrated movie, Treasure Planet. Um, oh, which Treasure a, Planet's great. Which has a, a similar similar idea of a basically a ship in space. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I think 
I can foresee Cowboys and Aliens three being more of the uh, the giant space battle type thing, much in the way that you know that's that's kind of the way that many movie series progress is that you you know you start from humble beginnings of just a, a quaint little story of aliens invading an old west town and blowing things up um you move to space exploration and then the next logical step is an all out all out space battle but i don't yeah. think that needs to and happen and coincidentally that's what fast and furious 10 is going to be <laughs> a space battle you know you're probably right there's only you know, so I, much more that they can do on Earth. I hate to lob a massive bomb into this, but like, did you read that Tom Cruise wants to film Mission Impossible 8 in space? Yes. I did read that. <laughs> and actually, the craziest that's, shit I've ever heard. I, I didn't I, read that, but I believe that. I've read, I read that I, I thought that it wasn't like a... I thought that he even wanted to do some parts of like MI6 in space, and then, then they just decided that it was too expensive. But either way, my God, I hope that happens. What a legend. What a legend. All right, so I will admit that I, I came up with a deeply flawed idea, but I think that there's, a, there's an inkling of interest in there. Uh, yeah, you got I, me thinking I'm very interested. Yeah. All my, right. my, my gears are turning. It's definitely <clears throat> like you presented a half idea that's larger than my idea so there's there's that well i appreciate that vote of confidence and you never know maybe on a future episode after i've fleshed this idea out further i'll revisit it but i think for now i'm gonna send it all right let's send it i'm gonna hop in with mine next if that's all right because mine also is just sort of lacking an end point and it could well, let me tell you i think that's the case with all of us <laughs> all right well <laughs> i'll just go anyway go for and, it and um but mine's lacking a beginning point if you know what i mean and an ending point you guys are gonna get that later <laughs> <laughs> so i am pitching a sequel to the film the professional oh where nice Natalie Portman's actually. So oh. yeah. If you haven't seen it, Natalie Portman is this young girl whose family is killed around her, and she gets taken in by this man who lives down the hall, who happens to be a highly trained and deadly assassin. And he teaches her his ways. It's a so it's a spectacular movie. Years down the road, still played by Natalie Portman. Um, she works for a black ops agency as this sort of like super cop type agent who hunts assassins. Super cop, meet the cop. Yeah. Nice. So she she's assigned a new case. Um, so is this just because I haven't seen the original? This is in like our time. This isn't like science fiction or anything. Yeah. Yeah. This is our time. Okay. Yeah. The real world. Modern day. Real world. So she's assigned a new case. Um, she has to track a killer who's picking off geneticists at high-tech pharma companies. Ooh. Ooh. Um, so she starts investigating. She's going to these sites, um, digging up what she can. And she starts to unravel this 
conspiracy among these different giant corporations to hide the fact that they're performing human experimentation. Yes. Oh. Um, and along the way, she has a few scraps with this young assassin. And this is where I'm taking some liberties. Um, this is a crossover. The Ooh. young assassin is Hannah. Oh! oh, who herself was a child assassin? Oh my god! Who was genetically engineered? Oh, <clears throat> what a beautiful marriage between two movies! Yeah, so Saoirse Ronan, Natalie Portman, oh. both assassins, oh. both older, more experienced. Um, and the two sort of form this relationship as they're trying to fight each other that's respectful and it acknowledges that they have this shared trauma and this kind of complicated background yeah so uh, there's action there they're fighting each other they're running from each other but there's also this sort of deeper dramatic level that we'll dive into i love it and that's all i've got (laughs) no no real ending (laughs) all right all right let's let's workshop this so then all of a sudden onto the scene steps Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> <laughs> and she's actually the the villain. She's she's the the kick ass um she's gone bad like villain. Yes. And then they have to they have to put aside their differences and fight Chloe Grace. I both like and deeply despise that. <laughs> <laughs> no i i think that i think that your your start is super super interesting luke um hannah is a movie that i have not seen i think since it's in theaters but it left a huge impression on me um and i i like i, I don't know how much you would want it to be like would you think stylistically it would be more like the professional or more like hannah because they're they're kind of different in. wasn't hannah kind of like more like a jason Bourne kind of a figure right. like she's just really really smart and shrewd right or did was she also she was also super strong wasn't she yeah she was genetically modified right exactly um so i mean there there is definitely some some interesting stuff to go into there too because well yeah it Natalie could be Portland's cool they could both their their separate scenes could have different styles altogether Right. It could actually be like both of their scenes could be directed by the original directors, which would be cool. Oh my god. This is this is ambitious, Luke. This is ambitious. This is actually a really cool idea. Yeah, it is. Um so remind me, so they they both have the same goal, right? Of taking down this like this big pharma stuff. Is that, is that well, what? that's the thing. For Natalie Portman her professional directive is right. to take down Hannah, Saoirse oh, Ronan's Hannah. character. Okay. Because she has been assassinating these pharmaceutical, like, big wigs. I see. Um, but I think part of the plot will become that they're both trying to turn each other as they're trying to kill each other. Right. Right. And, and they're both- leaning on their, like, their shared trauma as leverage to turn each other emotionally and get each other on their sides i think yeah and i think that 
it would be very interesting to explore the uh, the emotional aspect of that because those are two characters who, like Hannah, at least as as she was presented in in the movie, was you know sort of sort of like revenge uh, motivated. Whereas you know you can see somebody who is a a paid assassin. You know they have very different motivations. Um, so that dynamic, uh, that dynamic could lead to some, some, you know, introspection could lead to some, uh, serious character development. Um, and do do you have in your mind, do you think it would be satisfying if they ended up on the same, on the same side? Or do you think it would be more satisfying if, uh, you know, one of them was proven to be more just and more right, and therefore deserved to to have their, you know, kind of side win? I don't know. See the the problem that I have with them joining forces is that I want both of their characters to be really powerful. Like, right. really just the best at what they can do. Right. And if they have to join forces, it means there's a force stronger than them. Ooh. And I don't think that should be the case. I think they should be equals and also unmatched. Well, couldn't they just take on, like, a an impossible wave of henchmen or something, you know? They could. I think, uh, yeah. I think that would have to happen at some point. Um, but that's a... Uh, that's a cool idea um, and kind of a, a cool philosophical idea of each one of them being kind of their, their the most powerful force. Um, I don't know. I, that's, that's a, that's a thinker. That's a real thinker. I think it would be most satisfying to me if they, as I don't really see either of them as somebody who would, especially Hannah wouldn't flourish as like a part of a team. Um, I think that they could have, they could come to, I think, which is what you said, some kind of mutual agreement and kind of work towards the same cause. But for me as a viewer, I think it would be most satisfying. Like you said, if they, they each remained their own person and own character. Yeah, so I don't know if there's a perfect solution, but I'm willing to say ship it. But the one thing that I want to bring up, have you both seen the movie Heat? I, it's the bank robber movie yes, where it's been Robert De Niro is this like very professional, extremely accomplished robber and he's being hunted by Al Pacino, yes. who's this also extremely accomplished, brilliant detective. Right. Uh-huh. And they have this scene where they both sit down across from each other in a diner. And for just that moment while they're in the diner, they agree just to talk and pick each other's brains and not fight. Uh-huh. And I want a scene like that to happen in this movie, too. Because Saoirse Ronan and Natalie Portman are both such good yes, actors they are. that, that could I feel be, like a, a face-to-face would be really satisfying. That could be incredible. I don't know if a diner would be the best setting for it just because that doesn't quite feel right for those characters, but I can see them like meeting on a job or something 
and just like having no i i i I love it i love it they both really like uh arcades and they're playing pinball together or something (laughs) (laughs) it's the only way i can get a release (laughs) that ding that damn ding (laughs) all right what you got will send it ship it whatever so The sequel that I'm proposing oh boy. is a sequel to everyone's favorite Christopher Nolan action film, Memento. Oh! So, Memento, for those of y'all in the audience who have not seen it... Shame on you. ...is a terrific film. It, I think it, it sort of... Uh, captures Christopher Nolan's wheelhouse the best in terms of very interesting storytelling and narrative device and very little emotion at all. Basically just total stoicism. Mm-hmm. And yes, the, 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 the plot is basically someone has lost their memory and the whole plot moves from the end of the movie to the beginning of the movie. Um, because this person has such bad no long-term memory and such bad short-term memory that he can only really experience things in, in tiny snippets. And he, he is on a, on a vendetta, basically, uh, 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 you, you can hop in if I've got this wrong, because it's been actually a little while since I've seen, no, you're good. Uh, he's, he's on a revenge quest, uh, and the way he's able to sort of clue together why he's on this revenge quest is because he, uh, has tattoos all over his body that have little clues. Um, and I believe that there is some sort of like tragic misunderstanding that happens at some point in the movie where he goes off after the wrong person. But, um, yeah, but he's pretty much a badass the entire time. And, uh, I got to stop here for a second and ask, does he actually die at the end of this movie? Because I'm not exactly sure if he actually makes it out all right. But we're going to keep on going, pretending that he's actually alive for a sequel. For the purposes of the sequel, absolutely, he's alive. Um, so anyway, uh, my premise for the sequel is that uh, a scientist, say a, a brilliant pharmaceutical uh, <laughs> scientist, uh finds a way to restore his memory. <coughs> Is his name Doc, and- played by Harrison Ford? <laughs> <laughs> Can this character be in all three of let's our wrap films? It to- yeah, let's all wrap it, wrap it all together. This is perfect. So anyway, this doctor, played by Harrison Ford, uh, <laughs> starts begins this treatment, but it's kind of a gradual process, so he's slowly gaining back his memory. Um, and so... I was thinking sort of the narrative would be that he is able to sort of, oh man, now I got to think about this. Cause what would that actually feel like getting back your memory? I feel like, I feel like he would sort of like really crucial elements of the story. I mean, it would be similar to like, uh, movies with, with flashbacks that sort of slowly come into like you get more and more details right. as the story goes on. They kind of build the backstory um, through little snippets. I mean, it's speaking it's, from personal experience, like just this morning, 
I misplaced my keys and I had to think about it, but then I remembered where I put them and it was just kind of like a, a feeling of relief. So it's probably the same thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, the scale whole movie is, up I, just like a tiny bit and you probably get the same, same effect. Just a tiny it's, bit. <laughs> it's the, it's the first feeling movie really. It's, it's not, it's not uh, like a visual experience so much as uh you know, an emotional one sure but anyway uh he then kind of discovers that uh actually he got everything wrong (laughs) in the first movie and had been going after the wrong person the whole time so then he's got a new vendetta that he has to pursue wait and so are we then saying that like everything that we see in the first movie is it like yeah so, see, yeah so so what this movie requires is for us to reverse engineer the first movie so that it still plausibly makes sense but it was in fact actually completely wrong oh my okay and it turns out that there's like there's like way more layers to this onion like people have been pulling there's there's like people have been pulling the strings from the way way up up tippy top and presumably there have been like lots of rubber masks involved and so people who look like certain people not actually being that person but wait it, is the first movie like factually wrong the events are factually wrong or is no, it the, that his new memories actually, are not trustworthy so, so and he doesn't know is, if he's remembering actual fact or if his memories have been distorted through this amnesia. No, the the memories are real. Like he actually has, like everything that happened in the in the in the in the previous movie actually did happen. It's just there's like a bunch of stuff missing, and and so like through this extra context, it turns out that actually, um, there's like the the plot runs way way deeper. I know, pretty crazy. It's. It's very crazy, um, and I, again, hate to say this, um, but I think Luke has stumbled onto something that could be really cool. Um, it's not that I hate to say that Luke has stumbled onto something cool, but I feel like <laughs> Fuck I've you, man. Said, <laughs> said on multiple occasions that Luke has come up with a better idea first than, than the one that I did, but now I think it would be really interesting also in a movie like this to kind of explore the idea of... Uh, how memory is the way that we kind of perceive it. And like a memory, it might not be a real memory. It might be um, either distorted by things that we've been told or just straight up false memories. So, well, I think that your idea would work and I think that there is a lot of potential for it to work really well. Will I also think that just kind of exploring the validity of of memories and the accuracy and and how that can be influenced would be an interesting take if you just want to pepper that in somewhere well okay so so this is this was the only other the only other twist that i had layered onto this okay. was halfway through the movie the treatment is working so well that his memory actually gets better than an average person's memory okay and and like it it's like it's so good at this point that like he can remember the future 
<laughs> Damn it, that's what I was going to say. No. So, so, no, I was like half... Uh, at the beginning of the sentence, I was going to say, remember the future. But then as I was going for it, I just... I, I, couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to say that he can remember the future. Because, because you had just given me this really, really nice, like like genuine critique of my of my premise that it should like actually explore the nature of memory <laughs> and and so like i think that instead the effect that it has is it, it it's just like it makes it makes the movie way more introspective suddenly like before when it was like this very kind of pulpy austere sort of like gritty action movie uh-huh. it like suddenly there are like there are like narrative voiceovers and like and like Ooh. and like the score changes a bunch and like and like it just like it becomes like a much more reflective movie the more his memory becomes like super super sharp and and he realizes that like actually he, like because his memory because human memory in general is so flawed like he like nobody here up until him really had very much agency in the story like they were all kind of just like following the scripts that they that they had to play because they uh they weren't living based on the moment they weren't living with pure like uh pure reality or 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 experience right. in mind they were they were they were mainly they were kind of living this this explanation that they had made for themselves based on faulty memory you know and so he he becomes like super super wise and he like and then he just sort of like with radical emph- empathy like manages to like peacefully neutralize this whole this whole threat and it's and it, and it turns it goes from being like this crazy action movie to like an anti-action movie that's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I like it. That's a beautiful, beautiful arc to that. <laughs> and that's Memento 2. Yeah, Memento. I'm a fan. I will say I'm disappointed that you didn't stick with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang 2. Yes. Because we could have had a lot of fun talking about titles for that, like Two Kiss Kiss, Two Bang Bang. Or Kiss Kiss or Kiss or Kiss, 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 bang, kiss, bang, kiss bang, bang Bang Bang. Or right. Kiss 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 Bang 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 Bang. <laughs> or just Kiss Bang go the opposite way uh, uh, well, yeah. that would be the prequel oh true uh well or kiss kiss bang bang but the s the kisses only have one s kiss for each one kiss kiss bing bing no vowels well that just means that we can save kiss kiss bang bang and it's various spinoffs for another episode of the podcast yeah. Or maybe it'll just be this recurring thing that we're always one episode away from talking about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> yep. Gotta listen forever to hear about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And the best that's movie ever. a wrap. Subscribe. Like. Rate. Download. Comment. Uh, donate. And find us on www.theplotcast.com. Tweet at us at or, the podcast or a similar URL. <laughs> I really hope that that yeah. handle is still available. that URL is available. I checked. Is it okay? <laughs> Let's snap it up. We haven't secured the domain, but follow our Instagram at the podcast. Donate to our Patreon at podcast Patreon. <laughs> Watch us stream the recordings on Twitch at the podcast Twitch. <laughs> All coming <laughs> in 2019. Buy from our Etsy store at the podcast. <laughs>
theplotcast.etsy. And follow our Tumblr before uh, all not safe for work content is pulled off of it sometime in the next couple weeks. So you can see. We our have dick. only porn on our on our Tumblr. What? We'll have nothing but porn on our Tumblr. Porn and poops. And we are crowdsourcing kiss 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 bang bang bang. So go there and donate to the production. Yes. We will be directing, starring, producing, writing, and uh, composing the score. So just keep that in mind. We have no limitations. All right. <laughs> Thanks, casters. Bye bye. Hey, hey, kids. The podcast episode you just listened to was recorded before we had come up with our website or social media accounts, but lucky for you, we have them now. You can visit our website at pitchhunt.org. You can email us at info at pitchhunt.org. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are pitch underscore hunt, or you can get in touch with us at Facebook at Pitch Hunt Podcast. Thanks, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day.